Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling. I'm coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to give you topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. I'm very pleased today to have my guest, Michael Harris. I'm sure you wanna know a little bit about Michael. He's got a great resume here. So let's talk about Michael. He is an author, a coach, a trainer, yoga teacher, entrepreneur, and co-founder of Endless Stages. One of the specialties is helping anyone move from the fear of speaking in front of others to powerfully sharing their message in front of any size group or audience. That is just kin to what I do. So awesome. For years, you struggled with health issues, addictions, and low self-esteem. Then one day, you had enough and became willing to make a change. While it wasn't easy, you realized that you had to stop dreaming about what you wanted and begin to take massive action by applying the law of Goya. I hope I said that right. (laughs) You were urged then by friends and colleagues to use your metamorphosis to inspire others. At one point, Jack Canfield that's the author of Chicken's Soup for the Soul, reminded you that your mess is your message. He went on to join your book launch of your first best-selling book, Falling Down, Getting Up. You owned or partnered several successful yoga studios. I, yoga studios, I truly need those too. And coached other studio owners around the world on attracting and enrolling new students while increasing revenue and profits over 40 million in sales. In addition, you've helped train and certify about 7,000 yoga teachers to get untwisted and speak in small and large groups. Previously, you've hosted your own successful podcast, Falling Up Secrets, which featured guests such as the world-renowned Les Brown, the legendary composer and producer Thomas Beller, sought after pain specialist, Dr. David Clark, and many others. And this podcast had about a thousand views, downloads a day, a thousand a day, people. Today, our theme is why is everyone's story, experiences, and voice important? 
please join me today in welcoming Michael Harris. I told you that was a great resume. That's so, so many good things. So well, I wanted to, to say, I, I didn't realize it, it was that long and it's just like, man, the show's gonna be over. No, I mean, <laughs> and, and that just goes to say, show how interesting this is because normally, you know, I take from your long bios and, and do questions, which I did. And I still had stuff that I wanted to leave in the bio to give you such a great opening and, and introduction for our audience. Well, well, thank you, Vicki. I'm, I'm really glad to be here today, and I'm honored to be on your show. And as, as I mentioned, I listened to another one of your podcasts earlier with, with your previous guest, Carmen Morrison, and just loved what she talked about yeah. and, you know, really overcoming bad habits and addictions. <laughs> and I could really connect with all of that because I have been through that myself. Yeah. And, and that there's just so many lessons that people can learn when you're you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and talk about things that didn't go so well in life. You know, a lot of people live with masks and don't let themselves be out there. But really, your pain, your struggle can help somebody in theirs to overcome it. So it's great that you share. It, 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 exactly. And there's some thinking that, that I kind of go by that it's actually part of a, a prayer that I came across at one time and it says, um, may I overcome my difficulties that took care over them, may I bear witness to the power they love in their way of life. Mm -hmm. So in, in my beliefs, I'm not able to help somebody unless I've overcome whatever that might be. Wow. Habits, that low self-esteem, the addictions that I struggled with early in life, and because I was able to overcome that, mm -hmm. I'm now able to help other people overcome that as well and ideally have a better life because, you know, that's bottom line is every day I, I like to think at the end of the day, what did I do today to help somebody have a better life? Absolutely. So good. You know, there's gratitude of, of the things for you. But I think if you start out thinking about all the ways you helped others, it really just lifts you up, lifts your soul. Yeah. And for me, with having suffered a lot of low self-esteem at one time, it was all about me. And it was all about, you know, <laughs> being a victim and yeah. uh, struggling with, with all of that. And like with, with drinking, you know, making myself feel better or bigger than what I really was. Mm -hmm using that to really suppress and push that down. Yeah. And then when, when I realized what, what I was doing, and a friend of mine actually came to me when I was 30 years old and said, are you through yet? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew exactly what he meant, right? Oh, geez. You know, and I said, yes, I am. And oh, from that gosh. moment, that was 1988. I've never had another cigarette, never had another drop of alcohol. Wow. Nothing. It was all removed. All that desire that I had was removed. And it's really where I really began to fully live my life was from that point on. That's awesome. 
So uh, we we really just, I told you this was going to be a good one, guys. So <laughs> I didn't even get into my first actual question, which is the easy one, the icebreaker. We didn't even need an icebreaker. Oh, okay. But let, tell everybody <laughs> what part of country you're coming in, uh, calling in from. I live in central Oregon, a town called Bend, Oregon. Some of the listeners may be familiar with that. Some may not. Uh, we're actually one of the top 10 fastest growing places mm. in the country. And, you know, I love it here. I live at 3,750 feet. We're up against the east slope of the Cascade Mountains. And I moved here purposefully. I used, I grew up in Portland. We came over here growing up as well. So it wasn't mm -hmm. that far. Uh, but I came over here because I wanted to be in the mountains. I wanted mm -hmm. to hike. I wanted to ski. I wanted to kayak. I wanted to do all those things to remain healthy. And on some mm -hmm. level, I do something virtually every single day. Wow, that's It's awesome. rare that I don't get outside. Somewhere. That's awesome. And uh, Portland is great. One of, one of my uh, two-year assignments that I had, I visited for... Um, Every day, but four days a month, I was in California, Portland, or Oregon, or Seattle, Washington area, and I just love that area. It's just so beautiful. The mountains, especially, just yeah. gorgeous. And, and I'll briefly mention, this year, my outdoor goal is to mm -hmm. go to either the top of one butte or the top mm -hmm. of one ridge every week. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And you're hiking, I'm assuming? I'm hiking. Most of the time I'm off trail. I, I Probably 80% of my time in the woods, I'm off trail. I'm not doing the trails. And I just find a line that I like to go on mm -hmm. and get to the top. So, you know, most buttes, there's a lot of volcanic buttes around here. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, you know, I'm able to do it generally within a couple of hours at most to, to get up top. And taking a lot of pictures, I assume. And taking a lot of pictures. Yeah. Yet there's an, if I can share with, with you and the listeners, there's an underlying reason I do that rather mm -hmm. than just getting to the top <laughs> and taking pictures, although I like doing that. But in 1986, I had bypass surgery on both my mm. legs. And they were oh, going to wow. cut my legs off. My right leg was 100% blocked. My left oh, leg was 65 wow peripheral vascular disease, and they did something called a FEMPOP, which is essentially mm -hmm. a bypass surgery on the legs. And so that was 1986, early 87, they wanted to do another surgery, and I said no. I left the hospital AMA, which is against medical advice, mm -hmm. and I could barely walk 10 feet at a time, and I was on a cane. Wow. And I was able to overcome that. I went to another doctor at a longevity center in Southern California in Santa Monica. And he said, just get up and start walking up and down yeah. the boardwalk, right? This is from the mm -hmm. Santa Monica Pier down yeah. in Del Rey. Know it well. Right? Mm -hmm. And he just said, get up and walk 10 feet, pause, walk 11 feet, pause, and just keep yeah. going. He says, because what you're doing, he says, the pain comes from the claudication in your legs. Mm -hmm. Right. And he says, by walking, you begin to build collateral blood vessels. Yeah. So here I am, a young man on the boardwalk. And Vicki, I have to be honest with you. There was, and there still is, a lot of girls on rollerblades down there. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> and I didn't want to be the 97-pound weakling, or in my case, the 140-pound <laughs> weakling at the time, getting sand kicked in his face. <laughs> So I stood tall, you know, 
and um, I'm 180 today, so I mean, 40 pounds less, yeah. and I was really thin, and I could barely move. Wow. So coming back to getting to the, the top of the buttes, you know, I'm totally healthy today. All that was re removed from the change of lifestyle, from the walking, from food, from yoga, and just moving my body. So getting to the top of the mountain and walking up, up and down is really a way to express my gratitude oh. from still having my legs. Because they told me when I went AMA that they would cut off my legs within wow. a few months and I would die a few months later. And I oh, just, my goodness. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't go with that. I didn't mm. like that prognosis. You know, wow. So here I am. The doctors are dead and I'm still alive. Congratulations. That's <laughs> awesome. See, what a great story. <laughs> All right. So your first entrepreneurial gig was selling blackberry pies <laughs> door to door when you were, wait for it, six years old. I had a lemonade stand at six years old. <laughs> And I also read you dabbled, or as you say, you were dove into photography, real estate, option trading, coaching, and yoga. How has the diversity of all of these jobs helped you today? Well, I like to jo jokingly say that if I went to a psychiatrist, <laughs> I would probably be diagnosed with ADD, right? But I like to look at it as being passionately diverse. I have multiple passions. I have multiple interests. So why not celebrate that? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to look at it as, as some detriment or some therapeutic thing that I needed to get over. I mm -hmm. chose to celebrate it instead. Right. And I found a way to focus on whatever it is that I'm doing, whichever passion I'm involved with at the mm -hmm. moment is being in the moment. Right. Let me tell you briefly about the Blackberry Pies. Mm -hmm. So my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a business businessman. He owned several different businesses. And even as a little child, he would say, find something that people want and sell it to them, <laughs> right? So, I mean, he was very encouraging that way. and. He did the same thing himself in, in his businesses. So mom, we, we had a big field with blackberries in it and I'd go out and pick them mm -hmm. and mom would make the, the blackberry pies and all the neighborhood kids came over because everybody said, Mrs. Harris, my mom, Mrs. Harris made the best pies in the uh -huh. neighborhood. And so one day I, I said to mom, I said, you know, Stan and Sally and Todd and Larry and Laura and they all love your pies. What if I go to their parents and sell them your pies? Mm -hmm. So my mom and I made a deal. I would pick them. <laughs> she would bake them. Again, this is in the 60s, right? Yeah. 64, 65, way back then. Yeah. I'd go door to door and I'm convinced, Vicky, that the Girl <laughs> Scouts stole my life, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I would go and I'd go, <sighs> you know, to Mrs. Doodler's door, <laughs> the McFarlane's or, or something and say, mm -hmm. how many pies do you want? <laughs> That's right. Not right? if you want a pie, but how many? <laughs> how many you want? Yeah. yeah. And so, of course, the Girl Scouts, I mean, I'm obviously joking about that. The Girl <laughs> Scouts do that. Absolutely. And, 
you know, as an entrepreneur, that's a better way to go for it rather mm -hmm. than saying, do you want, you yeah. know, how many do you want? So you can have friends and guests over. So you can have this incredible taste in your mouth. So you can add vanilla ice cream to your pot, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so, oh. so yeah, how many do you want? That's awesome. Yeah. So, so, so you, that's my Blackberry entrepreneur. That's the short story. That, that's awesome. And, and again, you have all those things and, and even, you know, I have my anti-aging business. I have my speaking business. I have, you know, my project management. So very diverse, but I love what now in my retirement, I just do the things I love. Yeah. And I try to, everything that I do is to try to help people. So I, I applaud you for having all those things, you know, but just do what you love. Absolutely. So you have a saying, one more open heart in the world is one more open heart in the world. Share with my audience what that means to you. Well, where that came from, I, I went to a yoga teacher training in 1999. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't to become a teacher, but it was to help heal my body, which that happened. But within a year, I had my first yoga studio. So I, I started Great. teaching about a week after I went through this training. Mm -hmm. I had my first yoga studio. And for some reason, at the end of class, I would always say, one more open heart in the world is one more open heart in the world. Oh. And then one of my students actually made me this bowl with a heart in the center. And it oh. has around it. I still have it. And it says nice. one more open heart. And it just keeps going around in a circle. One more open heart in the world is one more open heart in the world is, you know, it just keeps oh. going round and round. And I really find, you know, without going too far down a, a rabbit hole, <laughs> I don't know if as, as a host, you ever ask somebody what their desired superpower is. But, I have been asked that. I have yeah, been asked that. Yeah. <laughs> And most superpowers are good versus evil. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, Batman, um, Superman, you, this big, strong hunk of a guy, you know, overcoming evil, you know, intentions and all that. And somewhere along the line, Vicky, I realized that all that's good and everything, you know, the good versus right. evil, the dark versus light, all mm -hmm. those things. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to have more of an open heart and more inner peace more of the time. Yeah. Right. It makes life so much better. Right. And re regardless of our differences or similarities in the world mm -hmm. and everything that's going on right now, I think it's even more important that we're able to have our hearts open as much of the time as yeah. possible yeah. you know it's hard 100 percent. there's no doubt about it you know because it's easy to put you know brick walls up and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but if i can be more open then i feel like i'm being a better person and po possibly contributing to more peace at least within my community you know, yeah. kind of think globally 
act locally, we're as local as we can get yeah. our, ourselves as individuals, you know? So like even today earlier, I, I taught a yoga class today. I teach about 10 a month. Um, and one of the things that I said today at the end of the class is keep your mind open and keep your heart open. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's really, if you just, just like you're walking, you know, those little steps, those little steps at a time, you know, and keep on increasing it. It is, if you just take life as just celebrate the small wins, don't try for the, to climb the whole mountain, just do one ridge at a time, one step, you know, and, and then you can celebrate, I think more so. Absolutely. A lot of our frustrations is, you know, we wanted the big things right away. And I, that's one of the things I'm trying to teach my grandchildren who in this world now that they're growing up with everything right there at their fingertips and, yeah. and online, and just trying to teach them to appreciate quiet and, yeah. and the, the, the feeling of having nothing to do and being okay with that. <laughs> Without it being sitting there going, I'm bored. Yeah, right. I'm not bored anymore because there's yeah. always something mm -hmm. to do or there, there's time to remain still. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when I go out in the woods, I'm with friends and sometimes it's just me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I like both. I like my time in the woods, you know, experiencing that with myself and the quietness yeah. without having discussion with other people. But I like also being out there with other people. When I grew up, I my grandfather and grandmother had 60 acres. And so I would go off, you know, I, as I mentioned to us earlier before this started, I come from a large family. And I like to be in quiet from time to time. And so I would do that. I would go and take walk in the woods and just, you know, sing or whatever, yeah. talk to myself. But it was great to just appreciate nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you, the other thing, and a friend of mine that I met years ago, Dina Proctor, mm -hmm. she, it was suggested that she learn how to meditate. Yeah. And it was the last thing that she wanted to do was <laughs> sit around for an hour and meditate, right? So she actually came up with this idea that she calls the three by three meditation. Mm -hmm. So three times a day, she sits for three minutes in quiet, morning, midday, and evening. Yeah. And she actually was able to approach somebody, I don't know if you know him or some of the listeners, is somebody named uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Have I've you heard, heard of Bruce Yes, I have. Yeah. And he's a... a cellular biologist mm -hmm. and he, he's done a, a lot of study around that and she was able to reach him and talk to him about her process and the way that she was doing this and these this the three by three meditation mm -hmm. and his feedback at the time as a scientist was this is one of the best things that he's ever seen <laughs> you know because sometimes all as it takes is just to sit for three minutes. Yeah. Quiet. And it can change everything. Yeah. Sometimes I find that if I get up and then sit down, I remember what it was that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. Oh, there you are. All right. Explain how you have been able to take your personal challenges that you discussed or that I shared earlier and help others find what inspires them. Hmm. 
One of the things, and I'd, I'd mentioned that thought about the prayer earlier mm -hmm. about overcoming the difficulties. Mm -hmm. And when I went to write my book, it took me 12 years and 79 days. The 12 oh. years was the thinking about it, <laughs> <laughs> right? And the 79 days was right. Was to write it. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I would, I, I would actually go to Starbucks, Vicki, and sit there for two hours. Every day, I planned it out. I was going to have it done in 90 days, and I had it done in 79 days. The man pre-edited and um, realized that by writing that story and, and writing the experiences that I had, and I'll briefly mention, I, I also had a water skiing accident as a child and had 6% of my liver removed and oh, coma and I died and came back, 21 blood transfusions. Oh my gosh. So I've, I've, I've had some challenges, mm -hmm. right? So as I'm writing this book, I'm realizing that more and more these challenges are being released. My self-esteem is becoming stronger. Mm -hmm. And as I start to get the book out there and the story out there, I'm getting tremendous feedback from people that are saying, wow, that's an amazing story. You know, and it's just like it inspired me. It gave me hope. It, I feel like I can now overcome this or, uh -huh. you know, my dad had this disease and now I understand it more or, you know, mm -hmm. all these different things and really understanding more and more the power of story mm -hmm. and i also yeah i also realize along the way and somebody that is involved with speaking yourself at some point i realized that we've always really knew how to speak and i don't know about your grade school vicky but when i was in first second third grade we had something called show and tell mm -hmm. absolutely and the teacher would get up and say, Michael or Johnny or Laura or whoever, you know, get up and tell about your vacation or what did you do this weekend or, you know, what, whatever it might have been. Mm -hmm. So I look back at that as really my first teacher training and most people's, I mean, first speaker training, mm -hmm. most people's first speaker training, we learned in first and second grade. Yeah. So when people come to me now and I work with them now, first thing I do is remind them that they already have what they need is this learning how to use it. And if I can bring them back to that point where they, you know, were doing show and tell in grade school, I can very quickly have them open up, become animated because as kids were normally pretty animated. Yes. Right. You know, and, and start to get their story out. You know, what do you want to show and tell? Because that's really what speaking is about. Yeah. Show absolutely. and tell, regardless really of what the mm -hmm. subject is. Sometimes you might have a PowerPoint. Sometimes you 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 might not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might have props. Sometimes you might not. It just kind of depends upon what the point is that you're trying to get out. And like my friend, and I don't know if you know Les Brown, but one of yes. the things that he says is, "Never tell a story without a point, and never tell a point without a story." Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So as we learn how to do this, you know, and, and Les is a master, yes. you know, yes. and, and I spoke on stage with him a couple of years ago. And it's just like, it was a sheer honor to be able to, to do that with him. And, you know, his remarkable story of where he came from, mm -hmm. right? 
And that's a whole, I mean, get less on. He'll tell you that story. I mean, it's an amazing story, yeah. right? Yeah, so, he just spoke at our Toastmaster convention. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, he's yeah. down in Georgia right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I talk to him and his son, you know, fairly often. Yeah. John Leslie and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also realized, Vicki, that, you know, over the years, thousands of years, we've been sitting around campfires, <laughs> yes. right? You know, think about it. A hundred thousand years ago, you know, the guy went out and killed a dinosaur and drug it back home and they ate the meat or whatever it was, but they were sitting around. The walls. Right. <laughs> but telling stories. Yeah. And most traditions are oral traditions. Some of mm -hmm. them may be written down. You can take an example of like uh, the Bible or other religious manuscripts or, or other thoughts and ideas that have developed over the thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But the best way to learn thing is orally through speaking, through yeah. talking, through sharing stories. And so I tried today, try to help as many people as possible get their story out. My story's going to help somebody else then somebody else, yeah, I don't like that Michael guy. And then, you know, your story, Vicky, is going to help somebody and go, yeah, I didn't get anything out of Vicky. Well, that would be hard to believe, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> Each of our stories can have impact in different ways. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what I think that we often have to remind people because so many people think they don't have a story or that their story isn't interesting. Yeah. And I have not met a person yet that hasn't had an interesting story because yeah. it's not one that I know yet. And, right. and if I can give you your listener something really briefly, if they don't think they have a story, take their life and divide it in five. So say mm -hmm. you're 50 years old, you got mm -hmm. 10 years, go back to each 10 year period and go, what stands out at me about that yeah. particular period without overthinking it. I mean, like mm -hmm. within minutes, write it down. Exactly. And go through each time period and then go back and go, well, when I was 15 years old, and this is something that happened to me, other than all the other struggles, I caught this, this baseball in Little League. I, I grabbed, I was on third base, grabbed the ball, hit mm -hmm. the third base, and we won the game, right? Cool. So, awesome. so now I can go back and take that one little story and expand it. I can talk about that in one or two sentences, or I can talk about it for 30 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And create a point about it. Mm -hmm. So we, we all have stories, and there's ways to go back and find them and to yes. pull them out. The Blackberry Entrepreneur story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Absolutely. When was my first entrepreneur venture? Well, let me think. <laughs> oh, I was six years old. Yeah. I about that, right? Selling Blackberry pies. So cool. So what has coaching, podcasting, speaking, and teaching yoga taught you? Oh, wow. Each one of those things could be a podcast. Yeah, no, I know. I'll have to have you back because <laughs> we, could, we could talk for hours, I could yeah, tell. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, and I'll start with the, the yoga side because this influenced me a lot too, and I've... Not the whole time, but I started practicing 
the hot yoga, if you're familiar with yes, that. And in hot yoga, they have mirrors, mm -hmm. right? And I started in the back of the room because I didn't want to see myself, <laughs> right? And ended up in the front of the room. And that was because I developed more self-acceptance by mm -hmm. doing that. And I noticed that with other people too, as a teacher now, I mean, I've been teaching for about 30 years for a, a long time. I noticed that too on how the self-esteem changes and how it grows and how people go from one place to another, sometimes very quickly, sometimes slower. Everybody's at their own pace, Excellent. right? Mm -hmm. But how that change and that shift and that opening what that can mean to that other person. And again, it's coming back out. How's our self-esteem? Are we helping other, other people? Do we love ourselves? You know, do we accept ourselves? Are we our own best friend? Or are we telling ourselves things that we would never tell somebody else because they're so mean, right? Yes, yes. I often talk about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I realized too, because... I've done 30 teacher trainings. Um, I was one of, I was one of uh, if you've heard of Bikram, uh, Chaudhary Bikram, he was a mm -hmm. yes. teacher. Um, I was one of his first hundred teachers in, in wow. the 90s. And I either led or participated in 30 of our teacher trainings, right? And we would have anywhere from 60 to 500 people at each training. And one of the things that I realized that I was really good at, Vicki, in, in leading the trainings was that I could take somebody that was in the training that was feeling, you know, maybe not so good about themselves, had mm -hmm. difficulty talking in front of people, had difficulty perhaps teaching a class mm -hmm. or talking in larger groups that I was able to help them make a shift sometimes in moments. Yeah. Just the and little just things. So, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And I'll just tell you one brief story about it is psychiatrist with the federal prison system. Mm. And he dealt a lot with high profile um, prisoners, mm -hmm. people that would never get out of jail. Type right. And he would go into their heads. <sighs> Terrible place to go. I can't imagine, <laughs> but he had started doing yoga and I, he was living in Durham and I was doing a webinar back there years ago, probably mm -hmm. 04. And I did a couple of them. I would see him show up. He'd be in the back of the room. I knew a little of his story. And then I was leading a training in 08 in Acapulco. We had 350 people at the training for nine weeks. It was oh. really intense. Mm -hmm. And here he comes and he couldn't get up and say anything in front mm -hmm. of anybody. Mm -hmm. So within about three minutes, we walked through his, what he did as a psychiatrist in the hospital, or in the hospital, in the prisons. Right. And I said, would you ever talk to the prisoners in a group? Were you ever in the front of the room? Well, yeah. And I said, well, tell me, would you say that that's about the toughest audience you can have? Are lifers in prison? And he says, well, yeah. And I said, so you already have incredible skills to speak in front of really any crowd. Yeah. And he just looked at me and went, you're right. And then he started <laughs> teaching this class and it changed everything. He ended up yeah. with two yoga students. He left the prison system because mm -hmm. he didn't want to do that type of work. He wanted to do 
you know, more gentle opening type work. Yes, I, mean, I right. can't imagine what it was like as the yeah. psychiatrist. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Hearing some of those stories that they have. I, yeah. Yeah. And some of some of the his um I don't really want to call clients. Some of the prisoners were some of the better well-known, like I said, high-profile individuals. Mm -hmm. Well, very interesting. <laughs> so every year you do a 10K that starts at 7,700 feet and ends at 9,800 feet. I think that's what we talked about in the beginning. And so is that really just to celebrate and be grateful for being able to walk or do you also use that time to really kind of get back and focus and center? All of the above. And that particular race, it's a 10K. It's in a place called the Steens Mountains, which is mm -hmm. Southeast Oregon, out in the middle of nowhere, Southeast of, of Burns, Oregon. And the, running coach there years ago, I think it's the 39th one this year, mm -hmm. 38 or 39th. Uh, it's called the Chris Miller Steens Rim Memorial Run. And Chris oh. Miller was his son who shot himself in the leg, oh. chucker hunting up there when they were kids. Oh, no. Right? So he started this run out there and all, all the desert ranchers and such would come out of the desert and come up there for this race and starts at, like I said, the starting line's at 7,700. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially straight up. There's oh, very, wow. there's two places that are maybe for a couple hundred feet, it goes down a foot or two. But other than mm -hmm. that, it's pretty much straight up. So yes, it comes back to that idea of the gratitude that I have for my legs. Maybe I'm trying to prove myself somehow that I can, hey, I can do this. I don't care what those doctors said 35 years right, ago. Right, right. Look at me now kind of thing. So there's part of that. The other part is, is it is out of the middle of nowhere. So mm -hmm. I always spend more time before and after the race. And sometimes I go up with one or two buddies. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's 10 of us. But now I know a lot of the other people in that area yeah. too. Some of the ranchers and such. And it's just really amazing to get out there be in the middle of nowhere mm. and to do this event. You know, they call it the toughest 10K in the country. <laughs> and I'm six. And I can imagine. Yeah. Oh God, I'm older than you. Yeah. Um, so 9,800 feet. Yep. The oxygen level, I mean, you, the yoga has to come in play to have you be able to breathe better in that, that, that run. Or is yep. it a walk? Are you walking or are you running? I normally walk, but there's <laughs> it, it's 50-50 between running and walking. Well, downhill I run. <laughs> <laughs> downhill can be harder sometimes. I know, because you're <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. there's there goes Vicky rolling down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, but I, I do think as you were telling the story, I thought. You know, it, yoga helps with speaking. Everything that you do that needs breath to keep you calm, mm -hmm. you know, that yoga comes into play. To be able to speak for long periods of time and, and have that power, yoga yeah. comes into play. So yoga is just a 
a wonderful thing for a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. All you Absolutely. speakers out there need to do yoga. And see Michael. Give me a call. Yeah. Let's give him a call. <laughs> yeah. How can anyone overcome the resistance to speak in front of others? <laughs> well, we, we a little bit touched on that. Yes, we and did. We did. I, I, I will tell you another st brief story. There was another person at one time in one of our trainings, and he was actually a garage door installer, right? And he had, he had started doing yoga and had been doing it for a little bit and loved it so much, he decided to go to this training. Mm -hmm. Very low self-confidence, very, very low self-confidence. And he couldn't figure out how to get up again and talk in front of the room. So we started walking through this idea of installing the garage door. Well, what would it take? You need yeah. brackets here. You need, you know, the bolts here. You need to drill a hole here. You, you know, put up the door like this. You, you know, put the installer like this. And this idea that it was a systematic process that he used as a garage door installer, right? Mm -hmm. And so I invited him to take a look at the teaching yoga, what that would look like if it was like a systematic process. Because mm -hmm. he didn't feel he had the skills to do it. And I said, right. So just describe the systematic process as if you were talking about the systematic process to install a garage door. And again, it was like, click. Because yep. he already had the skills to do it. <laughs> and he was confident. Right. And well, well, once he, he learned that, he became confident. He went yeah. from the state of low confidence, state of high confidence. Right? Yeah. So I really believe that most of us again, have what it takes already yeah. to get up and speak. It's just learning how to use what we already know. Yeah, I think a lot of times it is I, I, blocking out or, or losing those past people experiences that embarrassed you, frustrated you, or whatnot where somebody told you you weren't good at something and right. and therefore you just lost your confidence there. We are running very close to the end. So it is time for rapid fire. Uh -oh. and, and this is where we will ask you just a phrase or a, a word. I think for years I have just all phrases. And you have a, just a minute to just talk about whatever comes to the top of your mind whenever I say this to you. So the first phrase is taking the quantum leap. I, I love that phrase. Taking a quantum leap is nothing more than a change of state from one state to another. You can look it up in, in the mm -hmm. dictionary. And I believe we do quantum leaps Every day, we already know how to do it. Let me ask you something, Vicki. Have you ever blushed? Of course I do. <laughs> it's an instant change of state. You just did a quantum leap, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, I'm I can say more, that. but I'll stop. I'm a pro at that one. All right, Jay Conrad Levinson. Jay Conrad Levinson, the father of guerrilla marketing. One of my favorite people that have ever lived. He's passed now. When I sent him the manuscript for my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, he told me he read it twice in the first day that he got it. 
Awesome. Michael, he says, what you did to overcome the struggles and the challenges and adversities you had sounds like a guerrilla marketer. He says, I've never you know, forwarded a, a book other than a marketing book, but I'm going to forward your book for you. Awesome. What a, what a great compliment. Benefits of walking two miles in two weeks. Ah, I briefly mentioned about the pretty Center, right? So mm -hmm. I went from walking 10 feet to two miles in about two weeks period of time, right? Not knowing that I could do it. So not only did I become better physically, but mm -hmm. I also became better emotionally and mentally. My self-esteem grew. I was now accepting myself more. I now love myself more. Mm -hmm. And I got to experience so much up and down that boardwalk. Yep. Right? The Santa Monica boardwalk. Mm -hmm. Santa Monica to Marina Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> so yoga teaches you, uh, as we mentioned, a lot of things. How are you applying yoga to running your business? Oh, that's a great What question. are the, you know, the principles that you have in yoga compared okay. to? Okay. My first yoga studio, I opened in 1999. And it was 2000-2000, I was thinking, what can I do to make this business better? How can I do it, right? And I sat there, I remember sitting in the studio and thinking, you know what? This yoga that I'm doing, there's a system, there's subsystems, there's subsystems to the subsystems, right? And there's breath, in, mm -hmm. inhale, and exhale. And I began to look at the breath as nothing more than the revenue and the expenses. You need to have both, breathing it in, bringing the money in, breathing it out, mm. paying the rent, paying the teachers, paying myself, all, all of that. So the breath became that. And then each one of the systems, again, within the, the yoga practice, I began to apply to the studio. What, what system would it, would it take to open up the studio every morning? What system would it take to enroll new students? What system would it take to retain those students? What system would it take to write a bank deposit? By the way, they were at the time, it's different today because it's so much online, but at the time there was 33 steps to putting <laughs> a bank deposit together and bring it to the bank and deposit it. Wow. So, by putting all of this together in a little booklet, you know, my systems and procedures, mm -hmm. I was able to run my business and accelerate the revenue and profits as well. Awesome. The other thing I was thinking is when you, when you do any exercise, but especially yoga, you start out in the basics and then you build on it and you get better and better. And whenever you do any business, you have to be, willing to understand that you're not going to be so great at in the beginning yeah. <laughs> but if you keep practicing at it keep working at it you do get better over time so. absolutely you know it's it said that a seed is for planting and bread is for eating you can't plant bread and expect <laughs> it to grow you have to plant the seeds yes. and it takes a while for that seed to grow mm -hmm. into the plant to be able to make bread out of Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to refine it too. There's yeah. a, we could go a whole, a whole thing with that. That's yep. deep. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. All right. 
best book you recently read? Well, the, the book I'm reading again, uh, it's a Richard Bach book. And I think I probably have read, read it maybe a dozen times in the past. In the past. He wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which is the oh. most, one of probably one of the most famous books mm -hmm. he wrote, but he wrote a number of books, including a book called Illusions. Oh, I And I somebody that. mentioned that recently, and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to pull it off my shelf and read it again. It's a small book. It's not mm -hmm. a very big book, but it just, it's a reminder. It's an analogy really about we have the power to really do anything that we want in our lives and that, you know, we can step up and, you know, live that life, be helpful to other people, live a good life, have good relationships, have a good job, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I dive back into that. I'm doing it in two sittings. It's a small book. So I read the first half. Now I got to read or finish the second half, which I'll do in the next day, probably. Awesome. So I think I'm, I, you know, I've heard of that book. I, I'm going to have to just put that on my Kindle. It's a fun one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. It is time now for us to uh, warn the audience out there. Those of you that are just listening in, I will read some of the information about how to contact Michael. And those of you that are watching, be ready to get a screenshot of the slide that has Michael's information. Let me just share my screen. So Michael's email is michael at endlessstages.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at E-N-D-L-E-S-S-S-T-A-G-E-S.com. <laughs> His website is michaelbharris.com. And you then there's can a just use numbers. You don't need all those numbers. You those can, numbers are, yeah. You, you can but just go dot .com and that's fine. Dot .com, it'll get there. And then yep. you can find him on Facebook at Falling Up Secrets. Up is capitalized, Falling Up Secrets. And he has a gift for you all. Please, Michael, just explain what your gift is and how to get it. Well, one of the things, and we, we touched on this, is I really believe that uh, part of what I'm doing right now in the world is helping as many people that want to is to be able to get up and speak and tell their story, whether it's at dinner with friends or whether it's a keynote um, speech on stage with thousands of people listening. Mm -hmm. So regardless of, of where you are in that spectrum, we have a free resource. We have a free membership site that's filled with different videos and additional information that people can use, everything from overcoming uh, the fear of speaking to the tools that you need. We also are, are building a group, the Endless Stages group of really author speakers, experts and entrepreneurs that want to speak, that want to get out. So it's a great group, again, from the new person to the highly experienced speaker and, and actors are in that group. So I would invite anybody to come in. Again, it is a free group. We have a lot of free resources there for anybody uh, to use. Awesome. And you can get that gift or that by just going to michaelbharris.com. That's michaelb, like boy, harris.com. 
Yeah, if I can throw one one other thing out, this is sure. July first. It's the ten year anniversary of when my book Falling Down. Oh, congratulations! Ten years. Wow. Ten years. And I'm doing a little promotion this month. I don't know what when this will come out, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, if somebody wants to get a free copy of that book, they just go to michaelbharris.com forward slash book. Okay. And you, you can download it right away. And if somebody's listening, they forget what that is, they can certainly go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere else to get the book anywhere in the world. Awesome. That's great. So you all need to run and get that book, definitely. And we um, want to take time now to thank Michael for being such a wonderful guest on our podcast today. I absolutely will have you back again because there's so much more that we can talk about. And uh, as speaker to speaker, for sure, we can maybe get into a lot of tools and, and tips. I would love that. Yeah. Um, Michael shared a lot of tips already today. Great stories. And, and as he said, you know, it is what you need to work on and perfect is just to get comfortable having conversations that tell your story. You can learn more about Michael by visiting that website, michaelbharris.com. Be sure to reach out to him. Go to the Facebook page. Uh, make sure you like that page. Follow Michael and Whenever we get this podcast out, be sure to let us know what you think. And as I always say, remember, life is a journey, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.